Time it is, you little maniacs. Time again for another Scaring and Sharing. Yes, the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Hello. Hello. And sometimes things not horror. Sometimes we just talk and you have to deal. You have to deal with it. That's what a podcast is all about. I know, right? It's just talking <laughs> into the ether. And I mean, this is not a telegram, but front of the podcast, Lauren hit me up because, you know, it's that end of the year thing when you get like Apple Music or Spotify and you get your lists of yeah. like your top artists, your top songs, etc. And Lauren had one that said she listened to 3,746 minutes of scaring and sharing. Whoa! <laughs> and it says you're a top 3% fan. That's awesome. <laughs> How is it 3% though and not 1% with that much listened to? I know that much listening. I'm sorry, we should have done a video for you on my Spotify. I am a top 3% fan of the band Ghost. So I got like a little video from them that was like, thanks for being, you know, a big fan of ours. It was awesome. Uh, so, Yeah, I know um, our friends over at It's Only a Podcast have lots of, I think it's Spotify, like things about their podcast. Like our, like we go, I don't know where they go through. I mean, we go through not Podbean. I can't remember. It all comes together. Um, po- Powered by Pinecast. Yeah, That's the Pinecast. end of ours. And I don't, we don't get like, I can, I always do our analytics at the end of the year, but we don't get anything sort of fancy with fun graphics. But regardless, super grateful for everyone who has ever listened to us, even for a moment. Exactly. I wonder <laughs> if there's a way to like log into Spotify as the podcast and get that. As I mean, because we're on there. So maybe. Yeah, we're on there. I, be- I bet there is. So it probably is. Mm-hmm. But super grateful to be here. Oh, and we are the Scare Boys. I am here today with the original. The miraculous, the beautiful, Jeremy, the original, original Sasquatch Slim <laughs> Rusk. <laughs> I'm so original. I'm double you original. Did it twice. Double you did it twice, and you are just, you know, the lovely, beautiful. Uh, you're just such a good person. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Brandy Joe Planbeck, the Flame and Scream Queen himself. That's I've got you. you all fooled. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, how is life? Not too bad. You know, just this weekend for me was kind of a slow weekend. So that was nice to just kind of slow down and chill. I opened a show this weekend, so it was not slow, but it feels like it's, you know, at least now that it's open. Yeah. I can breathe a little better, but then, you know, you're just running, but it's a shortened run. It's the holidays. People are lively. I'm doing the box office for every show. And as Mm. much as like, typically I'm not like, ugh, I wanted the box office. I love the box office. And just like when I went to my conference a while ago, I was like a greeter and hung out at, you know, the booth. I love that. I love talking to people, not in like, I could never be a salesman. Mm-hmm. But I can rock the fuck out of somewhere where you stand and just talk to people. Like, yeah. I, and like, where they're coming to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not like reaching out to them, like, hey, why don't you come here and look at what I'm selling? I cannot do that. But if no. I'm just like a spokesperson and people want to talk to me, oh, I, I eat that shit up. Oh, you're a good face. 
for and any sort of face. thing. Yeah, yes, to and, put and out that, front. Yeah, a good energy. And maybe it's because like I know what it's like to go someplace and just have someone who doesn't have that energy. And I'm like, I will not be that person. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Um. And if you've never. <laughs> This is always so scattered. If yeah. 100 and almost 60 episodes in and still. But you know what? That's because we are original. We are real. Yeah, it's because we're relaxed <laughs> and we've been doing this a minute. So we just do what we do and everyone <laughs> is used to it. But this is a traditional episode, which means that Jeremy and I will share a movie with the other person that they have not seen before. Then we will step away, we will watch the films, and then we'll come back and we'll share our thoughts on them. Okay? You got Mm -hmm. that? That's what we do! (laughs) You filthy animals. Yeah. Um, Did you see that sweet as fuck picture of Macaulay Culkin getting his, like, star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and it's, like, him and Catherine O'Hara? No, I didn't. Oh, my God, it's them. Like, she's, like, there. Like, I don't don't know that she gave it to him. I don't know how that all works. Yeah. But she's, like, has, like, her arms. Like, she's, like, touching, like, his shoulders. And then they show this, like, little picture of them from Home Alone, like, sort of in that same stance. Mm -hmm. And it is so fucking sweet. Yeah, I wonder if she spoke or something. Because they usually, when somebody's getting their star, they have, like co-stars or you know uh, just people peers uh show up usually and give little speeches or whatever about that person and working with them so i'm so glad he's come around you know like that's a thing it's not like that happens with everyone but it does i wonder if in this day and age it almost feels like there's more of a um focus may not be the right word an awareness of what happens with some young actors, especially mm-hmm. back in like the eighties and nineties and the ones we've lost to yeah. drugs and, you know, mental illness and things like that. Mental health, I, I should say a little more appropriately. And, and I just feel like we're hopefully in a better place now, like where we recognize that a little bit better and maybe just have that awareness so I'm grateful for people like Natasha Lyonne and Macaulay Culkin being mm-hmm. able to like turn that corner and, and sort become, of come back into their own. Now become really celebrated yes. performers again, which and is like always seemingly amazing. Seemingly healthy. I mean, I don't know them, but they seem like they're in a much better place yeah. than they were back when. I imagine they have to be because they ha- still have careers and you cannot manage a career if you're in the throes of, you know, some horrible uh addiction like it becomes too apparent you know things sometimes, eventually fall but apart sometimes people just some don't people know are functional some people are totally functional as their life collapses so you I know mean, some they can yeah. fool you but others it becomes apparent there's cracks it does there's- start yeah and i imagine in that sort of a life where you have so many people around you managing some of them probably can help cover things up and whatnot but I mean, yeah. I was pretty good at high insurance. I mean, people knew that there was stuff wrong with me, like there was that I was going through it, but like people yeah. did not know the depths of despair. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, but I'm just, I'm grateful. It made, it made me very happy to see Macaulay Culkin because that is, I mean, Home Alone is, we were talking about sort of movies you watch every year. I don't necessarily yep. watch Home Alone every year, but I try to get a little nugget of it. Same with Christmas Story. Those are the two that like, I mm-hmm. love to be able to catch a little bit of, and every few years, it's like, oh, let's watch that in entirety. Yeah, I watch Home Alone every year. Just it last week, we watched so it. So, I'm I I was talking to my husband Joe about that because I I was like, I wonder the amount of money that has been offered to Macaulay Culkin to make like a legacy sequel where he is the dad and has a son. Mm-hmm. 
to because there has to have been many a proposal to ha- bring him back into the fray. But who knows? And maybe it will knows? happen one day. You know, maybe, who knows? maybe. maybe. Uh, Jeremy, so um, we love to share what we've watched and what's going on in the world. I honestly don't think I've looked at the news once since we last spoke. Me either. Do you know, I was going to say, what What do you know? What do you know? The, the only thing that got me really excited that I can... Oh, wait, no, actually, I got a couple of pieces, minor things. They're more like horror adjacent, really. Give me your best. pieces. But... Uh, number one, Godzilla minus one. Okay, so uh, my brother and I tried to go see it yesterday afternoon. Was uh, it sold out? It was sold out. No way. We went in the afternoon. We're like, oh, I got some time, and like two screenings in a row for like the whole afternoon were sold out at our theater. So we were oh, just like, oh my god, at the we Livonia like, AMC. Yeah, uh, this was the, our Phoenix theater. So okay. yeah, and we're like, I guess we'll just go later in the week then, because I was supposed to have like I had a chunk of time in the afternoon. We were supposed to be busy, uh, and then ended up, you know, uh, schedule shift. But anyway, my brother and I were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go wow. later in the week. But it was sold out. Uh, but I was gonna say Godzilla minus one is making money. But it's no longer got a perfect score. Apparently on Rotten Tomatoes, one critic gave it a negative score. So it dropped to like 97 or 98, something like that. And like apparently the fans online started piling on that one critic. Uh, Yeah. So I was like, poor guy. He didn't know what he was stepping into putting that on there. Well, it came in number number two on Friday under Mm -hmm. the Beyonce film. That's amazing. I did not think it was going to do as well. Yeah, it's doing apparently surprisingly well. So, and it's getting like so much praise as just being a good movie. Period. Yeah, so I've I'm heard like, the characters are really, really good. Which I remember from Shin Godzilla, like it, like the effects and stuff were good. But I remember not being emotionally as invested as yeah, I would and, have liked to have been. And that's so often the thing of like whether it's the Japanese, you know, doing the, with Toho, or it's these American versions of Godzilla movies. The human characters are almost always secondary, you know, they're an afterthought sure. to the monsters. So it's like unique to see like, no, we developed a very thought out human drama uh, and then found a way to plug Godzilla into that. So that's I'm still uh, so excited to see it. But I'm like, are we going to get like Oscar talk for a Godzilla movie for, you know, maybe best foreign language movie? I don't know. But that's out oh, there. In that, the, I hadn't even considered that. That's out there in the ether. So, OK, like, oh, OK, wow. Um and my second piece is uh, earlier in the week there. I didn't I guess I didn't realize the movie was finished and like ready to go. Uh, but they released the trailer for Furiosa, which is the uh, prequel to Mad Max Fury Road, uh, where they're going to be following the uh, Charlize Theron's character from that movie, her origin story here played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. Uh, and it looks cool as hell. So. What a great person to pick. I mean, she is yeah. at the top of her game. Yeah. And it, such an appropriate younger version of Charlize Theron. Yeah. And uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing the villain, which is a cool mm. like change for him and his yeah. trajectory where I'm like, okay, this looks wild. Like any Mad Max film. I imagine a lot of horror fans that listen to us probably like Mad Max, at least some of them. So I'd say it's, you know, it's a Jace. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Fury name, Road was such an awesome movie. So. I need to see it. I need to see. I would like to see all of them. I think, but um, I and I just love the name Furiosa. 
Furio Imperator Furiosa. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that, that's but that's all I got. But that trailer, I was like, okay, I'm excited for this. I saw people complaining about like the CGI and stuff, and I'm like, really? In this day and age? Like I thought we were just used to that being, you know, part of movies is sometimes you're like, yeah, no, entire, you know, backgrounds are just CGI now. Like I thought we were used to that at this point. So Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I did watch the teaser for Terrifier 3. Yeah, okay, you did? You told me, yeah, and from what I could yeah. tell of it, yeah, I'm no. like, oh yeah, this isn't going to like give away no, the movie. It's it just may like, not even be in the movie, who knows? But Probably not, I bet it's just one of those like teasers that's like, it's coming, and to get you, you know, pumped for it being a Christmas movie, so. Yeah, I, it would have been really fun to have seen it not knowing. Because mm-hmm. I bet you wouldn't have imagined, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you watched? Uh, nothing. Nothing horror-related. Well, I have watched two Christmas horror movies. Yeah, what did you watch? Since we last spoke. I watched... They, they were both on Shudder, so if you have Shudder, go check it out. They put a whole slew of Christmas horror on there. Mm-hmm. I watched Tuwala Goodnight. Which okay. is really annoying because goodnight is one word, which is not how it is in the song. It's not and how you also, spell. Tuala, goodnight is how I like to say it. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like not grammatically correct, I don't think. No, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. And oh my God, the movie. Oh, not good? Jesus. It is so bad. Again, like it's one of those films that, like, if you can watch it stoned, if you can watch it with a group of people, if you want to make a drinking game out of it, whatever. It is so fucking bad. But the interesting thing about it is it's like the first slasher of the 80s because it came out in January of 1980. Whoa, okay. Yeah, that I've always heard of this movie. I know that it um it seems to have had a recent resurgence in popularity because I think it's been bouncing around on streaming services now at this point. Uh so and I've always seen like a divided uh discussion about it online where people are either like, no, this movie's pretty bad, and the only thing like you're saying is it's an early slasher so that's why people remember it at all um and then other people like champion it as some sort of forgotten you know cult classic but that's always the case with like every cheesy movie from the 80s there's always somebody that's like this is a forgotten classic so oh it is terrible it is so like painful like you Mm -hmm. know how i like to watch horror movies at night like no matter yeah. what like it, i started this at night fell asleep and then i just oh. watch it in broad daylight the next day because it was just so bad yeah but it's like a you know a killer santa film but it has so many shades of like prom night and friday the 13th but it came out before both of them so okay. i don't know i i don't know especially back in the day without like the internet and stuff i can't imagine that whoever wrote it had like any idea of the plot elements of those films so it's just yeah it's a little fascinating and it was directed by david hess who is the bad guy in last house on the left oh oh yeah whatever yeah yeah Yeah. it's directed by him i think it's his like first film i don't know if he's done if he did others but he directed it so okay the music is horrible there's Mm -hmm. some kind of fun kills but yeah, it it is bad. So if you want a bad holiday horror film, go to it. But do not watch it for anything very redeeming. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Ew. Bad. Interesting. And then I watched It's a Wonderful Knife. You did? Okay, cool. Yes, which was fun. 
Cool. I wouldn't say I loved it, but it would be a scare of approval for me at any rate. Okay. Um, real queer too, which oh, okay, awesome, awesome. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that. So, as we said all the time, representation matters. Oh fuck yeah! So it it's real gay. Um, bloody. It's directed by the guy who directed Tragedy Girls, which I didn't make it all the way through. I there, there was just something about it. I that just I didn't like. But mm-hmm. so many people fucking love that movie. Have you seen it? No. No? Do you I've, know heard, what, I've heard it about is? it. Okay. I heard about it, and I heard, again, some people liked it, and some people are like, it is not good. So I Yeah, there's did. just, like, a vibe to it, or, like, something in the writing. I It's been a while now, and I can't quite recall the element that just sort of didn't sit well with me. I feel like I should give it a watch all the way through one of these days, but I, I just haven't. And mm-hmm. he also, the guy who directed it, was one of the screenwriters or the story writers of Five Nights at Freddy's. So, oh wow, okay, yeah. so that's kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I'm sure lots of people are checking it out. I'm pretty sure I saw a review from Teacher Drew on Letterbox. It was really positive. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's you know one of those current retellings of a classic, but make it make it horror. You know, so it's it's a, it's a wonderful life, which I've never seen all the way through. I have also tried to watch that and find it extremely boring and have fallen asleep. Maybe more. Wow. Yeah, I don't okay. think my husband's ever seen it either. So it's one of those holiday classics that neither one of us are too terribly interested in watching. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Do you love it? it it's, it's a good movie. I watched it for the first time ever uh, last year, actually, all the way through. Okay. Like I, I had seen like clips of it and knew, you know, it's impossible not to know the plot of the movie at this point because it's so firmly in American culture. Um, but yeah, I watched it and I thought it was pretty good. So. And it itself is sort of a darker contemporary retelling of A Christmas Carol, in a way, right? Yeah, sort of. But I guess sort of. it's not like visited from the ghost. Like, if it's like this film, and like watching this movie, sort of, like someone, at least in It's a Wonderful Life, he goes to like kill himself, right? And then yes. he sees his life as if he had never been born, or if he yeah, had he, never he, existed. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's totally, he, he, he has uh, some misfortune befalls you know, his family that he feels is his fault. So he's like, oh, they'd be better off without me. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he sees what the world would be like had he not been in it. Yeah, which is sort of Christmas Carol-y. Well, yeah, a little bit. feels like Christmas Carol. A little know? bit, yeah. Like coming back into the world and that like, oh, everything is yeah. great. Like running down the streets. Yeah. All excited to see everyone. That's very Christmas Carol-ish. Ish. But I yeah, guess the rest sure. of it really is sort of. But it's like, Looking at the plot of that, would "It's a Wonderful Life" exist had a Christmas Carol never existed? Is my exactly question. no. I think I think a lot of Christmas stories wouldn't exist without a Christmas Carol. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dickens, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you made you made me think though, because you mentioned uh, David Hess uh, and you know Last House on the Left. Because um, I haven't seen the original in so long. It's yeah. funny you said that because I've recently been like, I kind of want to rewatch that. Uh, because I know it's like pretty divisive in this day and age when people go back and rewatch that movie. It's kind of getting to be up there with like something like Cannibal Holocaust, I think, or those sorts of movies where you're like either you're into it or you're just like just stay clear and <laughs> move on. But I do want to rewatch it. But that made me think I really have you ever heard of the movie The House on the Edge of the Park? I don't know. There's so many houses at the whatever, whatever. Okay. I don't know so I have. 
So this one is, it's an Italian flick. Oh, and, and here we go. I just referenced this guy's work. It's directed by Ruggiero Deodato, uh, who directed Cannibal Holocaust. And as soon as he finished Cannibal Holocaust, he made The House on the Edge of the Park, which is a remake of Last House on the Left. Oh. But David Hess stars in it. Oh, that is yeah, weird. Playing essentially the same character, because I, I guess it's a, it's a loose remake, but he's playing essentially the same character that he played in Last House on the Left, now in this Italian movie that's loosely a remake of Last House on the Left. But it, it also came out in 1980, so he was a busy man in 1980, acting and stuff and directing a movie, so that's crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. That just You just made me think about that, because that's been on my mind, where I'm like, oh, I want to rewatch Last House on the Left, and then I want to see that Italian movie that I know has had like a resurgence, and uh, it, it's been like rediscovered by people. So, All right. Yeah, I I might check it out. That yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. I have a, a question for you. Yes. All right. I'm gonna share my screen so it'll make things just a little bit easier. Cool. Can you see this little graphic here? Uh, it's slowly coming. It says my screen is paused. All right. Let me stop it and I'm gonna try it again. Let's try it again. Okay. Can you see? Oh, no. You probably don't. There see it, it is. Now do you see I this see graphic it. here? I do. Have you seen this before? Uh, I've seen similar things. Okay, so this is a this is based on Matrix, right? A red pill yes. or a blue pill? Yes. So which do you take? So for the listeners, the red pill. This is like which of these worlds would you live in if you had to choose? And it has a list of horror films. So the red pill is Misery, the original Jaws, Evil Dead Two. Hereditary, John Carpenter's The Thing, Child's Play 2, and Saw. Okay? Mm. Red pill. Mm -hmm. Blue pill, the OG Candyman, I'm imagining, from the font. Alien, The Shining, The Strangers, The Exorcist, Terrifier 2, and Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Which pill are you going to take, Jeremy? This is really hard. It is. It's a good mix mashup. So talk me through your decision. By okay, before you I, say like the why problem you... is the, the red pill has uh, John Carpenter's The Thing and Evil Dead Two, which yeah. I like. Those are <laughs> and Jaws for that matter. Those are so high on my list, uh, and I like all the rest of the movies that are listed there, but just not as much uh, as some of them. And then the blue pill, I feel like though, has more things that I love, uh, but not necessarily like the problem is like Evil Dead 2 and John Carpenter's The Thing, for example, I would call like all time favorites. Um, and then the blue pill, but it's got Candyman, it's got Alien, it's got The Exorcist, it's got The Strangers, like I love all of those, The Shining. It's really hard. <laughs> well, let me um, talk, I haven't fully made up my mind, but the red pill for me, the number one thing on there is hereditary. Like, yeah. And it's like such an all time favorite of mine because of that, um, um, the elevated horror aspect, which there's no other ones on there that are quite that. I also really love misery. Mm -hmm. Those are the two on there that I'm like, ah, and then without evil dead Two, you wouldn't have evil dead rise. You wouldn't have the evil dead remake. You wouldn't have army of darkness. So you have to take that in consideration that really evil dead Two carries through the rest of the evil dead. Same with child's play Two. Without that, you don't get bride of Chucky. You don't get the Chucky TV series. Mm hmm. So, and without Saw, you don't get all of the other nights. <laughs> the rest of Saw, yeah. Oh, gosh. But I really, the blue pill, 
for me, the big one in there is Elm Street 3, which we know isn't my favorite Elm Street, but I love but, it. And without it, it doesn't come for. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't beget. Yeah, you're the one you like even more. Oh, but The God. Exorcist is also an all-time classic of mine and just one of the best horror films ever. I'd say that's the next closest to elevated, I think, horror is yes. The Exorcist on here. Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to taking... just jump in. And I'm going to say I'm going to take the blue pill. I was going to say, I'm actually going to take the blue pill, too. <laughs> you are? I am shocked. Yeah, I am because, oh, God, it's so hard. But, like, I love more of them <laughs> in that <laughs> list. Uh, like, love, love. Because Saw, you know, I'm not crazy about it. I could lose Saw. And, yeah. And I could lose like, Child's Play. Like, I like, yeah. I enjoy Child's Play. And I could but... lose Child's Play, too, even though I like Child's Play, too. But we'd still have the first Child's Play. So exactly. I'm okay with that. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh God, it's hard though. I know. I can't believe you would let go of the thing. It is a real Sophie's choice here. It is. It's really hard to let go of the thing, but then you, <laughs> but then you get the Exorcist and also Alien in the blue pill. That's true. Yeah. And I, lo- I love those intensely. So, oh my God. All right. Well, you've taken your pill. Now lie with it. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Do you have anything else, Jeremy? No. Um. Actually, you know, the only thing I have of uh, of horror Jace as well. Uh, so I was at Barnes and Noble yesterday. Did you have uh, another um, shopping spree? Not a shopping spree, but it was the this is the last weekend for the Criterion Collection sale because every uh, November uh, through early December, Barnes and Noble does half off all of the Criterion Collection discs. Um, so I was like, all right, let's see as a physical media collector. I'm like, is there anything I really want that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, they got in here, but I picked up the movie come and see if you've ever heard of that. It is, uh, a technically Soviet made, uh, cause it was made in the Soviet union. Uh, when it was made, and it's often considered, a lot of people call it one of the most disturbing movies ever yes, made. Yes, with the little boy going into the army or whatever. Yes, because it's about World War II, and it's like probably one of the most like for real, like what it was actually like in that region of the Soviet Union when the Nazis invaded. Yeah, that poster is so fucking good. That's yeah, there you go. And, is that the uh, cover of the Criterion? No, theirs is. Uh, it looks like this. It's oh, like okay. a portrait of the boy. Oh, God, um, it does. I saw it on some like recently, some like list of most disturbing films. Yeah, so I know it gets often like lumped into horror or like thrown in there with horror because it's about real life horror. Um, and I've only seen like parts of it. It's one of those movies that's like at the same time it's considered disturbing, but it's also considered one of the best movies ever made by okay. like many by many filmmakers and critics. So or like you know in the list of like if you have to watch a movie at least once you have to see this one in your lifetime uh so i am excited to finally sit down and i've seen like clips of it and stuff over the years and it's just been hard to like track down till criterion put out a a nice release of this movie so i'm excited to watch it and report back something a little more real life but oh my gosh you've not seen it though no only like i've seen some scenes here or there like stuff that you could find on like youtube where People share like chunks of the movie and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that. So I'm very excited to. I mean, it sounds like a horror film. Come engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from uh, uh, the Bible, uh, Book of Revelation. Okay. Where it was, uh, it's it's from uh, when the four horsemen 
of the apocalypse appear. I believe it's uh, in reference to the horsemen of death come and see. Uh, and it's about the, you know, spread of destruction, of course, that's in the, that part of the, uh, the book. So, wow. um, yeah, uh, seems, seems fitting for world war two, which for many people living, it was like, seemed like the end of the world. So of course, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to, it seems like a weird word, but yeah, I'm I'm highly interested to watch this and report back. So well, I'm highly interested to get your opinion. Yeah, and I feel like that should be a category, right? Like real life horror. Oh like, yeah, is that like a subgenre where it's the like RLH. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Real life horror. I feel like there, there's there's a handful of those movies that are unflinching in their like portrayal of like, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should fit in there. Real life or like a lot of the more um, realistic war movies when they show like you the like, day what? after. I've never seen it, but it sounds yeah. like it fit right in. People talk about how I remember much that. that yeah, them up. And and related to it is the also the movie Threads. If is you've it, heard of that wait, one, is that it, the animated one? No, there's an animated no. one that is something with butterflies. Oh that, God, yeah, I've heard of that too. No, Threads was similar to the day after. It was made in England though. Uh, and it's about like what they thought it would be like if there was a nuclear holocaust. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. What it would be like for survivors afterwards, and people yeah. are like, "Yeah, it's one of the most terrific movies." <laughs> the way they they did it and showed like society collapse. So there you go. Yeah, I I definitely don't have much of a desire to watch films like that. But like, it, if it deals with war and nuclear holocaust and things, I don't have a strong desire. But if it has to do with things like drugs and fucked up people i'm a little more involved um like kids you could almost even put into that kids yeah absolutely like something like harmony corinne gummo um, oh god yeah that is so fucked up because i don't know where (laughs) yeah exactly i don't know where you put gummo except like kind of sitting next to the horror genre so Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yep well, good times. Please. <laughs> there you go, guys. Do you have any other like real life horror <laughs> movies? Are there other like movies like that that I'm don't sure really fit are. anywhere? I mean, they fit kind of no, in the it's... drama category, but they're so like horrific that you could be like, yeah, it's like a horror movie. So, yeah, yeah. dual fit. Yeah. Well, let's get to our shares. Uh... Yeah, let's do it. Wait, I, I well, wait. I had well, I got a thing to read. Remember? Oh yeah, we have a telegram. I almost skipped it. Okay, I almost skipped it. Here we go. Teragram. Dear Scare Boys, so glad you're back. You're such a regular part of my routine. I don't know what to do when you miss a week. I had zero expectations going to see Thanksgiving, but I left happy. It was fun, and I look forward to watching again next year. Thanks for the episode. I have to say, Brandy Joe, I also like Scream 3 a lot and do appreciate the Psycho remake. So there are a few of us out there. I want to see Saltburn and would love to hear your opinion. I went, sorry. I went to see Saltburn and would love to hear your opinion. I do feel it is horror adjacent and can't decide if I loved it or hated it. Also, though late to the party, I caught Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Though found footage films are really not my favorite, I enjoyed this a lot. Are these, are the others, are there others worth watching? When your next episode releases, I will be in Seattle. Till then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. And oh my God, I want to see Saltburn so bad. I loved Promising Young Woman. And mm-hmm. this one looks so fucking good. I love that kid from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Love him so much. It looks like 
either queer or very queer coded in the hottest way. Oh, there's just all those pictures of him like looking at that boy. Yeah. Like their pool chairs or whatever. Oh, it looks hot. But yeah, I've been reading though. Like it is a very dark. Yeah. I've been seeing so much that saying, speaking of horror adjacent things Mm -hmm. uh, that it does fit into the horror category with how like, twisted the story is just so. like promising young woman i, yeah, saw I was that gonna on say some like top horror lists that yes. year i would argue that yeah promising young woman is a real life horror movie like based sure. on yeah exactly yeah. like real horrific events so totes a jays and yeah teacher drew i don't know if that means you've only seen that solo hell house film but i think the first one's good some people like two and three but i think one and four is the way to go yeah and other found footage i mean I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know Teacher Drew is not a fan of uh, Blair Witch Project, which, of course, to me is like the gold standard. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, and I'm also a huge fan. I know it's also divisive, but I'm a huge fan of Willow Creek because uh, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people are like not into that movie. But I think it was like a brilliant realization of like how found footage really should be if you were going for an authentic sort of like uh, feel for it. So, yeah. 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 Mm hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Teacher well, Drew. If you want to write to us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta, scaring and sharing. Oh, one word. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's share. Yeah, let's share. Let's do the sharing. Here's the sharing part. Yeah. So. The sharing of the scaring and sharing. And this week, I am going to give you, because I just watched her and couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm giving you American Mary. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know this movie has been, you know, around. <laughs> it's out there. I'm not sure I can see the poster where it has, like, the woman on it, I think, and it says American Mary. Uh, I don't know anything about what this is about, but I think it's, like, a slasher movie, with, okay. but, but, like, female-led, or sort of, like, a twist on that, but with a female character. So Fine. maybe, like, American Psycho, but American Mary, uh, and she's out there killing people, and hilarity ensues. That's okay. what I think it's about. Okay. So, all right. Okay, I think you haven't seen this movie. I'm hoping you haven't. Um, and it, it just popped up on streaming, so I'm like, ooh, that's fun. It's horror adjacent because of the director uh, and just, you know, the gratuitousness of this movie. Uh, but I want to assign you, for the season, Violent Night. Oh, wait, is this new? Yeah. Oh, I think, wait, is it with David, um, the hot Harbor. one? Yeah, you are correct. Oh my God, that's so funny. Joe was just like, I want to watch that. And I was like, have fun. <laughs> so now, now we have to watch it together. Yeah. Okay, fun. Yeah, I I don't remember how it all goes down. Yes, it's adjacent because it's not technically a horror movie, but I think it is violent, hence the title. And I just can't. I'm going to imagine someone gets kidnapped around Christmas time and he goes about trying to save them and has to kill a lot of people like a hit or, you know, maybe he's a hitman and he has someone in his family kidnapped. That's what I'm going with. Hitman, okay. Someone kidnapped in the family and he has to Ooh. save them by killing a lot of people. Sure. Does that sound like cool. taken? Is that taken? That's kind of taken <laughs> <laughs> or a John Wick or, you know, something like that. So, all right, there you go. Well, cool. Well, let's uh, watch me and talk about him. Cool. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Oh, 
Okay. Now we talk about the movies. That's right. We watched them, and now we're going to talk about them. So you're up first. I am. So first up is American Mary from 2012. It is 11 years old, directed by the Twisted Twins, or the Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvia. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, appearances are everything. And the description is very succinct. A young medical student struggling to pay tuition is drawn into the shady world of underground body modification. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and succinct. I wish the movie was... Never mind. I'm tipping my hat. Jeremy, what did you think of this film? It was okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, truly. (laughs) Like, here's the thing. Like, I think some notions of this film are very cool. Yes. It just goes all sorts of weird places. And it, like, veers into some territories where I don't think it needs to. So, I mean, yes, that description sort of talks about a little bit, but essentially there's this med school student struggling with money. She goes in to be a stripper and sort of gets um, roped into a really great financial opportunity if she does some sort of underground, under the table, back room medical procedure. And because mm-hmm. that goes well, she sort of gets like proposition to do some body modification things that like wouldn't normally be able to get done in like you know at a claire's boutique in the mall yeah and and from there like that sort of takes off and like money wise it's very profitable so she starts making all this money doing that even though she's not really into it but then there's this situation with a, a college professor of hers where she is sexually assaulted and like so it sort of turns into like revenge territory as well Mm -hmm. but then there's this whole other side plot that sort of wraps the film up about like the boyfriend of one of the people that she does body mod on and that is that is in particular i feel like the last like 20 minutes of this film or so 20 to 30 minutes i'm just like what why what what is going on here (laughs) yeah my okay like you're saying, so like the setup feels very Cronenbergian mm-hmm. uh, initially where you're getting into this world of like body mod underground surgery. I'm like, OK, I could see this as a David Cronenberg movie, which is funny that because then I look up that the Soska sisters did the remake Rabbit. of Rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was like, OK, yeah. And they're Canadians as well, just like David Cronenberg, uh, you know, uh, fellow countrymen, if you will, to Cronenberg. Um, yeah, it sets up, it's in that that sort of vein. It feels like that's where it's going to be going. But like you said, then there's this incident with the college professor in the middle of it, which, like, I don't know how I feel about that plot point. It feels like it came out of nowhere. Um, I don't know. I think they were trying to build to it because, like, some of the worst acting in this movie is, is the college him. professor. Oh, my God, he's horrible. Because, like, right off the bat, he's just like, you're such a you fuck up like at her like immediately feels, and you're like whoa yeah. like what it feels is this like a foreign performance like he's being voice dubbed like that's what it feels yeah. so disjointed in yes. that way but that's not the case but that's what it feels like yeah and then that happens and it sort of like verges into you know last house on the left like territory i spit on your grave you know the uh, audition like uh, she yeah. almost looks like audition at some oh I yeah that, yeah there at, are at points, nods to that gets to that uh, and it goes into a rape revenge sort of, but mixed with torture porn kind of territory that feels like it was trying to say something 
that was like out of reach. Like promising young uh, mm-hmm. woman does this better. Like that's immediately yes. what I thought. I was like, oh, this wants to be what promising young woman will do later, years later with this same concept. Um, whereas here it verged too far into the like torture porn of like, well, I guess we want to be kind of like hostile or whatever, you know, and fit that mold of what was going on at the time. So that feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then the movie is that type of movie for a minute. And then, like you said, it switches gears yet again, because then all of a sudden there's this new character introduced that wants revenge on her. Uh, and it just kind of ends. Which is out of nowhere, truly. It's truly out of nowhere. There's nothing setting that up. Um, and so it does feel disjointed and all over the place, but it's not like unenjoyable. Like it's it's an, it's a decent flick, I think, for the most part, other than it feels like they had ideas for multiple movies, or maybe they had ideas that should have gotten cut in the editing phase of this movie, like in the script writing phase, like maybe you should have cut some of these scenes and refocused on other aspects, uh, like written a couple more drafts before you shot the movie. But, you know, that's... I mean, um, they filmed it in 15 days, so they just were like, yeah. let's wham, bam, get into this, Let's man. do it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we can sit here and Monday morning quarterback this thing, you know, afterwards, but they made it. They made a movie, and they did it in 15 yeah, days, apparently. So Monday morning quarterback it. Yeah, good for them. So, uh... <laughs> but I will say the biggest problem I have with this movie is why the hell is it called American Mary? I know it's Canadian filmmakers. The Soska sisters are shot and in then, Canada. Yep. And then shot in Canada and it's called America Mary, which just makes like, there's no, like no, no reference to the American dream. That must be where they're trying to go with it. But like, or I thought, were they trying to be like, cause at times it does feel like it's riffing on like American psycho. So I wonder if they oh. were like, I wonder if they were like, let's yeah. call it American Mary. Cause distributors will like, you know, cause they can sell it as being like, you liked American psycho. You'll like this. That's all I, I could guess, say yeah. from a market, from a marketing standpoint. Cause I read they were going to call it bloody Mary, which they which should have makes more 100%. sense. 100%. Cause don't they even call her that in the movie? Yeah, like, we're gonna call you because she is Mary. Yeah. So they're they're gonna like call her that, or even to have just called it, I guess, Canadian Mary. Like that it carries the same impact. Just like no matter what, like a country does not come into it at all. So it yeah, just, no, yeah. Um, I really like Catherine Isabel. I think mm-hmm. that she's like a very strong, like Mary is a strong character. I dig her, but I really like Tristan Risk, who plays Beatrice. Like you believe that that is who, like that they found. Like so, she has one of the people who comes to her, like her first big client, to like, well, like to help to ask her to do some body modification for another for her friend is this character named Beatrice, who's sort of been like um, plastic surgery to look and sound like Betty Boop. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the plastic surgery had anything to do with how she sounds. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Who knows? Oh, maybe. But, yeah. But yeah, so she sort of looks like her. And you really like, I mean, it, it took me looking her up to be like, oh, she is. That is not how she looks in real life. Mm-hmm. But like, it looks like someone who had some plastic surgery, a lot of plastic surgery to look like someone like that. Yeah, she um, looks like one of the uh, people from the movie Brazil that have had like the facelifts <laughs> like a million times over. Yeah, but just from pictures, I've not seen that film, but um, but I really like Beatrice and I love all the storylines with her, minus like where we the get ending. to eventually. Yeah. But like I really love her, and I just I wish the movie 
was able to really focus in on extreme body modification and do some sort of horror element with it because that's where it's interesting that's That's where where it's strongest yes it's strong then there's this whole like because mary goes to be a stripper which i love she's just like i need money you know what i'm sexy i have a banging bod i'm -hmm. just gonna go be a stripper but then there's this like annoying subplot also with billy who runs the strip club Mm -hmm. who you would hope is not a sleaze bag, but he is a sleaze bag. Like, of course, he gets this video footage of Mary being sexually assaulted, tells her he doesn't have it. He watches it. He fantasizes about her. It would just like, like, let's take a, let's not let every guy be a total sleaze bag in this movie. And let's have one guy who actually is decent. Mm hmm. And it, but they try to like they show him being a sleaze bag, but then also try to almost make it seem like he isn't a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. But he is like, I, I just don't like it's so complicated with him that I don't know what they're saying with his character. And then there's a st- the thing that really pisses me off is at one point. So like they don't have any sort of sexual relationship. She like Mary and this guy, Billy, he just gets her sort of into the underground medical scene, I guess. And then he's just around a lot and gets her some gigs and whatever. Like, I guess sort of kidnaps the the professor who assaulted her but there is this thing like she walks in on a stripper like blowing him yes and she goes after the stripper yeah for some reason just like scares her yeah like makes her think she's going to hurt her but i'm like you've been in that girl's shoes like he like had certain things not happen that he would have asked you to blow him as well yeah whether you would have like instead he just had asked her to give him a back massage but it would have gotten there had things not the events taken a turn in the moment whether Mm -hmm. she would have done it or not is a different thing but like she like that's where her character takes this weird twist where it's like she's fractured and now she's really more of a monster than she was in the beginning or something i don't know it's just it gets so convoluted at that point and that's where i just like the story just takes all these weird turns that i'm not crazy about yeah it's like they were trying to find i don't know it it's the whole you you know I don't, I don't know how to put it other than using rape as a uh, character development. Like that's what they did. It, you know, it, it changed her and now she acts this way instead. Um, which is where, you know, people will talk about it being used as a cheap gimmick. And that's what it feels like they did here was just like, Oh, she got assaulted. Now she's a different character. Like that's, that's our workaround to get her to where we want her to be in the plot. Um, which seems like you could have, just excised all of that and still gotten to the same point at the end. Uh, and I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I mean, cause I mean, I know, I know it's like a couple of years, but in promising young woman, I don't remember there being sort of um, exploitative rape scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't like, it's not, there's nothing like that. Like no, here they- you see her getting raped. Yes. Yeah. In, and I don't in, remember anything like that. Like in Promising Young Woman, it's all like implied or. Yes. I mean, you know what happened. You know, it's not like, oh, did it or didn't it? But like, you don't have these gratuitous scenes of sexual assault. Yeah. And That's I correct. get that this is 2012, which everything was sort of exploitative and gratuitous like at this moment in time, not to make it an excuse, but it's also like it has female two 
female directors. And it's just like, why did we need to see Mary get raped? Yeah, and it feels, yeah, exactly. And it feels a little strange that it's, you know, female directors. And it seems like you'd think the viewpoint of this movie would be more uh, empowering, but that it does it does go into some exploitation territory there. Yeah, it does not feel like it's made by women to me. No, it doesn't. Just based on, like, even like I said, that sort of moment with Mary sort of like scaring the stripper who blew the club owner who she did not even, she wasn't even dating or fucking. So that's Mm -hmm. why I just get like angry at that moment. Yeah. And And like, why are we attacking the woman who's probably doing what she needs to like save her job or whatever? Yeah. And this is one of those movies too, from that era of like straight to video, I guess 2012. It's like the tail end of the idea of like straight to video uh, or video on demand, you know, um, where the aesthetic of this movie feels like it's two steps away from becoming a porno anyway, but like based on the uh, production value and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the acting. So, mm-hmm. and I've only seen the short of Excision. Do you know that film, Excision? Yeah, I've heard the title, but I cannot There's recall like a- the movie. They're like really beautiful. There's this really beautiful girl from Nip Tuck who was also in Beverly Hills or 90210, the Beverly Hills 90210 reboot. And I can't remember her name, but um, she's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm going to look it up right now. It's like I can um, it's like on the tip of my tongue. So it's going to drive me crazy if I don't look it up. Anna Lynn McCord. She's so gorgeous. And I mm-hmm. really want to see this movie excision because I've seen the short like a million times because of the short is so fucking good and so mm-hmm. powerful, but I feel like it deals with similar circumstances. So I need to see the movie to see if it is better than America Mary. Cause in my mind, it feels like the better version of it. Yeah. And it also came out in 2012. So it would be an interesting comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah, I just, I don't remember loving this the first time I saw it, but it is, spoken of fairly highly or at least it used to but i think it's just because it does something a little different which i do give it credit for yeah i feel like this was better regarded when it first came out like the soska sisters felt like they were like the next hot thing in horror Mm -hmm. for a minute but they just kind of continued to make like indie stuff i guess and i'm not sure what they're up to not that that's a slight on their career or anything but you know it felt like they were gonna blow up and then you they you didn't really hear much uh, after that so i'm not sure if they're working on anything now it's no surprise that their acting career didn't take off oh yeah oof because they're not good and what happens with them so they're like twins because they are in real life but like what is the surgery i thought the surgery was to get them together like to join them but then they left separately so I, yeah. what was their surgery that's what i thought too i thought they were gonna be like turned Connected. into con- conjoined like twins yeah uh, but they left separate, so I don't know what it was. I didn't but she understand. like removed one of their arms. Yeah, I didn't understand it because that is the thing. Like extreme body modification is fascinating. Like mm-hmm. I think I've talked about this before, but there's a documentary called Whole, like W H O L E, about people who's who don't feel complete with all of their appendages. Like they yeah. want their arm removed or their leg removed or their hand or whatever. And like yep. you just go to a normal doctor, and they're not going to do that for you. No. But that's why you have to go to like extreme, like some of them go to extreme circumstances, cut it off themselves and end up dying because they're not going through the proper medical procedures to like properly take care of them. So they die. 
And so they have to go to other countries or whatever. And like, that is fascinating, which mm-hmm. falls into like extreme body modification. Like there is a, there's some really complex storytelling in those scenarios. And it like kind of touches on it, but it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it does also talk about like, cause the, um, the other person that she is taking care of, like that um, Beatrice wants her or does like hire her to take care of Ruby. I think mm-hmm. she's like, she wants her gender removed. Yeah. Essentially like she wants her nipples and her vagina removed. And like, that is something that I've more recently learned more about. Like, the sort of, and I may have talked about this on here as well, but NOLO is sort of the short-term N-U-L-O, which stands for like gender nullification. Mm-hmm. Like NOLO is like the shortened version of nullification. And I've, I've like stumbled upon this in like dirty Twitter territory where like people literally have their their nipples removed and their genitalia leaving just the tiniest hole for urine mm-hmm. but otherwise it's just almost like you imagine not imagine i mean most people probably seen a barbie doll without clothes on like yeah. it's like that it is just like a smooth area mm-hmm. and it's so interesting i'm not going to say it's weird or anything because you know as long as you're happy and like can get there safely great but like i imagine it's not easy to get your genitalia removed like yeah, i imagine no. most people would be like um no yeah, most doctors are going to be like, no, 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 not going to happen. So, so, like, they touch on that here. And, I mean, I really learned about this in the last year. And this movie came out in 2012. So, like, they yeah. touch on it here. But, like, in a real vague sense, you know? Like, they tell you what's going on. but And they show you a little bit of what's going on. But, like, I mean, this sort of thing has been happening for a long while. So, I find the subject matter fascinating. It's just the execution and, like, the yeah. script is just not great. But like, yeah, yeah, Catherine Isabel's fabulous, though. Oh yeah, no, she's great. She she's one of those amazing character actors that you forget about. Like, oh yeah, her when she pops up in something. You know what I mean? Like, you know who she is. But I would not. I would not say she's like a mega movie star or anything like that. And you kind no. of wonder how that didn't happen though, because she's she is so uh, talented. But um. Yeah, no, that's I think that's the problem with this movie is it touches on subject matter that's more interesting than the main character's like story that they do try to tell here, Mm -hmm. Uh, where it's like, oh, you should have focused on some other stuff and it could have been a very different movie and maybe a it probably would have been more Cronenbergian had they gone to those uh, directions. But they kind of I feel like maybe it was playing it safe by trying to get more into slasher territory and stuff that, uh, you know, audiences are more used to. As I'm talking through it, like I find, I think a more interesting story would have been that she just drops out of school because of the money, right? Like mm-hmm. there's none of that stuff with like the professor who assaults her, or whatever. But she starts doing these extreme surgeries and it goes into like these um, body modifications, but she starts getting paid a lot of money to do something for someone who wants to look like the devil or whatever. And then through a course of like modifications on this person to give them horns, to file their teeth, to split their tongue, like that person is doing horrible things, but keeps paying her a lot of money to whatever take care of him or to assist in things that he's doing and it's like she gets to the point where she can't back out without 
her life being in danger. Like, but she's so sucked into that dark underbelly. Yeah. It's, you know, some, that's like already like just in two seconds, not in two seconds, but like, yeah, that would be the, fascinating. Yeah. The setup is there in the beginning. Cause the reason she does it is cause she's actually applying for a job as a stripper at that club. Uh, but then he sees that she went to med school and he's like, Oh, I got a situation in the back. I'll give you money to take, you know, where one of his, uh, goons or whoever mm-hmm. has been injured in some, you know, clearly not something they can run to the, uh, hospital for. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 the setup was right there. She could have just gotten sucked into this criminal world that way. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, some good ideas. Not great. I would love if someone remade this at some point and did something unique with it. The reason it popped into my head and why I gave it to you is Catherine Isabel's in It's a Wonderful Knife. Yeah. And it was fun to see her. And I was like, I love her because she really is sort of like a lesser known scream queen because of the Ginger Snaps movies. And then um, she's in Carrie. She's like the the PJ Souls role in that. And Mm -hmm. this. So she's in a lot of horror. Yeah. Yeah, she has. Yeah. Scream queen. Scream queen indeed. She's in. uh, uh, I forgot. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep she is she is she's in it's a wonderful knife uh freddie versus jason oh right thank you that's that's yep, what yep. else that's the other big thing i was thinking she's in freddie versus jason in the beginning well yeah and i like I half said, of the movie yeah i said carrie which is true but i can't remember now which fucking one it is oh it's the one with um angela bettis yeah that one from the from tw- two. So mm-hmm. 10 years after this one. So, yeah. And I mean, she's in quite a few other flicks. See No Evil 2, which the Soska sisters directed as well. So, yeah, she's all over the place. But all right. Well, anything else to say, Jeremy? No, I think that's uh, I think that's it on this one. All right. Well, out of five split tongues. Ooh, ooh I like that. How many do you give American Mary? I I was fluctuating, but, you know, it's the holiday season. The spirit of giving is upon <laughs> me, so I'm going to give it a three. I was fluctuating, too, between two and a half and three. And just on the fact that it's a little more unique and those two female performances, which I really like, I'm also giving it a three. Cool. Yeah, because I almost went two and a half as well, where I'm like, it's not great. It's not terrible, but, uh, you know. Tis it's cool the season. Enough. Tis the yep. season. Let's spread the joy. So there we have a scare of approval. Scare of approval. That's right. All right, let's move on to a Violent Night. Violent Night. So directed by Tommy Workola, who, you know, Norwegian director, he did the Dead Snow movies. Mm. Uh, which are the ones with the Nazi zombies in them, where mm-hmm. Norwegian youths. It's kind of like the uh, Norwegian Evil Dead almost. Uh, you've never seen those, have you? Correct. Okay. Those are, I'm probably going to have to keep those in my back pocket now. But mm-hmm. anyway, Violent Night from 2022, just last year. The tagline on Letterboxd is, You better watch out. And the description is when a team of mercenaries break into a wealthy family compound on Christmas Eve, taking everyone inside hostage, the team isn't prepared for a surprise combatant. Santa Claus is on the grounds and he's about to show why this Nick is no saint. <laughs> a little, a good, little kind of fun in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it should go without saying, but David Harbour is the ultimate daddy. And yes, I find him he? incredibly hot. He's just great. <laughs> Let's just he say is. it. So great. And it's fun because when this started, and I, I don't even remember what I said I thought it was about, but I didn't realize he was Santa, literally. Mm-hmm. So that whole beginning is a fun setup because you don't really know it's him. Yep. At first, I mean, you know in the first five minutes, but like right off the bat, you don't know. You don't if, know. And then if you don't know, if you haven't seen the trailer, I imagine. I didn't see the trailer. I probably did. I don't know, but I didn't yeah. remember at any rate. And so, like, I thought that was fun. Um, I watched it with Joe. As I mentioned, he had wanted to watch it, so we we watched it together. I could tell in the beginning, in particular, he was very much enjoying it. He was laughing a lot. I thought there was some really funny shit in there that was going on, like some really good one-liners with like the bitchy sister and all that, because you meet this like rich, nasty family, mm-hmm. and then he gets sort of... And then, of course, there's like criminals who want all of their money, and then Santa gets roped into that. Yeah, it's it's Die Hard with Santa 100%. Claus. 100%. Yep, it's 100% that. I just got exhausted real quick. Like I got it's, real worn out real quick. It's too long. It's too long, and it just keeps doing some of the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. And it is 100... It's just Die Hard and Home Alone. And I would prefer to watch each of those more than I prefer to watch this. Mm-hmm. But they they specifically s- mention those films, so it's not like, hey, mm-hmm. we're pretending to be them without calling it out. They call it out. Yeah. So it makes it, like, okay, better than, like, just being a ripoff. Like, they're like, no, it's an homage. Um, but the thing that, like, because David Harbour is fucking great, right? He's perfect mm-hmm. for this. He is daddy. He is Santa daddy. And I'm here for that, because I love him. I've always loved him. But the family is just so awful, which at first is fun. But, like, the little girl, I find her incredibly annoying. So while she's supposed to be your heart of the film, I'm just annoyed by her. Yeah, she... I don't know if I was annoyed as much as... Or, or annoyed's not the right word, but uh, re-watching this again, I'm like, gosh, she's just not a very good actor. And maybe that's it. I'm annoyed by her acting because and it's I think just that's what too it much. Is. Like it doesn't feel like real and authentic. I mean, yes. the whole movie's kind of stylized, but if she's the heart of the film and what's supposed to sort of drive you caring about anyone and wanting mm-hmm. sick, this family to come out of it on top, or at least her, I feel like you gotta really care for her. And I just was like, yeah. oh my God, she's killing me. And she at times feels more like a plot device to get, you know, for Santa, sure. to help Santa out and get Santa involved in all of this. Um, because, uh, you know, you got to teach Santa a lesson in this one. Cause here you have the grumpy cause Dave Harbor, you know, he's so good at that grumpy curmudgeon role. So it's the, uh, disillusioned Santa is what he is in the beginning. And then he's got to get won over by, uh, um, uh, beating up the bad guys. Yeah. And I've, I haven't seen John wick, but when I hear this movie spoke of, it often comes up. So mm-hmm. is it like, it is sort of yeah i would say it is kind of a santa john wick thing going on um yeah yeah yeah, i really really. like the music because it sort of incorporates christmas carol sounds like i think the music is really good silent silent night is in there like as a refrain like you're like oh they're they're playing silent night right now as part of the score so that's kind of cool 
And I, it's well done. Like, I mean, like the sort of Santa magic looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. He it is violent. It, it, like, it, there's some great gore. Yeah, it's got some good gore gags in here. But yeah, I just, I just, I got tired real quick. No, like, that's just, what I thought. Yeah, I, lo- I liked this a lot more. It actually, I've the first time I saw this, I was gonna say I saw it last year. No, I didn't. I saw it at the very beginning of this year. I watched it in January okay. of 2023 as the my first viewing, and here I am wrapping up the year with it again. Um, but the first uh, viewing, I like really enjoyed it. Uh, but this viewing, not as much, and I was a little more worn out by it. Where I was like, yeah, this is too long. It starts to drag in the middle, uh, and I feel like they could have tightened it up. And then there's just this whole extra subplot of like these other people who show up who you think are the good guys. Yes. And and I'm just like, oh my God. Like it was unnecessary. Yeah. It just adds it just adds more cannon fodder for Santa to tear through, is really what it was. So Yeah, I I guess I just wish, as opposed to having this little girl that he's sort of helping and fight, I wish that it just would have been like Santa himself got wrapped up in it somehow. And like was just trying to fight his way out of it just to get the fuck out of there as opposed to trying to like help save her. Like I just would have rather none of that family stuff and just somehow Santa's involved. Like I just less of the family, less little girl, more Santa. Yeah. And they they lean into like a, a number of times there's references to Mrs. Claus. Uh, and of course, that like hooks me because it's like, oh, he loves his wife so much. I can relate to that. So you're like, maybe they should have worked Mrs. Claus into the plot somehow because they keep alluding to like, you know, I thought they were going to how, how strong their relationship is. Or he keeps talking about like, yeah, I just want to see my wife again. So you're like, yeah, aren't they going to bring her in somehow? So that maybe that would have been a better uh, plot point somehow that he's got to save Mrs. Claus or something like that. And even though, yes, the magic is fun and he is the real Santa, it could have also been really interesting if he was not the real Santa, but somehow got roped into like this mm-hmm. family and this little girl who believed he was Santa. And so and because of the situation the family was in and the little girl was in that he wanted to help save the day. Plus, he's still a good guy. And, yeah. But like, it wasn't all that magic, but more this guy who wanted this little girl to like be rescued in the family to be saved but like he didn't want her to think that santa wasn't real and you know yeah like i think that could also have been that could have worked too but i see that it's like oh well no let's make it like santa who's you know lost a little bit of his christmas spirit as well and is sort of a drunk and all that but yeah but yeah i mean it, it wasn't the worst time i mean i would watch this over santa's sleigh any mm-hmm. day I'd watch this, this over Christmas Evil or wait, oh, New Year's Evil. New Year's Evil. You liked Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil, I liked. I still might watch this before I watch that. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. That, I mean, that, the craziness of that ending was the thing I, that stands out to me. The rest of Christmas Evil is pretty forgettable. Yeah, it's pretty yeah generic. But yeah, um, yeah no. I, I did like, uh, I remember a while back we were talking about the idea of stunt casting. Yeah. Uh, and this is a movie that has it because Beverly D'Angelo plays the matriarch of the family in question. And you're like, oh, Christmas vacation. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, she's so beloved for that role. They put her in this in a totally against type sort of thing for her. But you're like, that's it. Stunt casting. She's already famous for a Christmas movie. Stick her in another Christmas movie. You barely recognize her, though. It's... Yeah, exactly. It's and like, not oh. because of makeup or whatever. Like, it's that's just how she looks. It's just father time. 
Uh, no, it's not. It's plastic surgery. <laughs> well, that too. But. I feel like she's made herself look unrecognizable. It's like, did American Mary do your work? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's how we tie them together. Yep. And uh, and I did like the, uh, well, of course, being a Norwegian director, uh, his backstory for Santa that we allude to is that he was once a Viking uh, yeah. berserker at some point. Um, but that... Uh, I kind of liked that because that's like a natural thing to bring in there because a lot of Santa Claus, like the story we know, uh, is like a a reappropriation of Norse mythology. Uh, So like when you track it back, like Santa Claus is a lot. Well, you can't say definitively, but a lot of people are like a lot of scholars say he's based on Odin from Norse mythology who had a big white beard, uh, you know, and flew around at Yule time giving presents out. So it's like the... It, it, it it's a natural conclusion to be like, oh, let's tie some Viking stuff in here uh, to Santa Claus. And of course, leave it to a Norwegian to do that. Of course. So. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think, about what I feel of it. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's a little, like we said, for as long as it is, it's pretty straightforward, though. It's just watch Santa Claus, like, mess some people up for a while. Um some plot diversions here or there that you're like, ah, they could have cut a lot of this stuff. But anyway, unless you got anything else to add on this one. No, I would just rather watch Die Hard and Home Alone. Yeah. True. Call it a day. Truly. So out of uh, five drunk Santas, uh, how many do you give it? Tis the season to be caring. So while I want to give it a two and a half, because of David Harbour and his great performance and his daddiness, I'm going to give it a three. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to give it a three and a half. I still enjoyed it enough to recommend. So let's let's do this. All right. Well, there you have another scare of approval. Another scare of approval. A reluctant scare of approval. Yeah, both, kind of. Both yeah. of them. Really. Both of for them. Me, really. Yeah, anyway, for you. Yeah, for me for one of them, for sure. So. Yeah. 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 Like, I know we talked about our ratings with Teacher Drew's message before. Like, this for a three for me is like, you know what? Probably some people would enjoy this film. And I thought it was fine. I wasn't absolutely miserable. But Mm -hmm. I bet there, I mean, people for the most part are pretty fucking wild about Violent Night. Like, people for the most part really like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I'm like, "Mm, uh, three stars. Don't want to watch it again. But yeah, it was fine it It was was fine fine. and there was was an element that put it over being something that i would never to be something i would recommend to certain people yeah for both of these you know for sure for sure i like it there you have it i like it yeah okay all right well thank you all so much for listening as always write to us scaring sharing at gmail.com or follow us on the instagram scaring a sharing oh one word that's right and hopefully you'll come back and join us again next week. Yeah, we'll share the scares with each other and you. We're going to have more coming at you. I'm trying. I'm digging deep for even more Christmas or holiday uh, thief in general horror movies. Uh, and every time I turn around, I keep finding more. So get ready. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. Well, um, remember to hail Paymon. And keep watching the skies. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing.
This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.